Welcome to Talking Tax, a podcast brought to you by Bloomberg Tax. In this series, we sit down with leading tax practitioners who have contributed to the Bloomberg Tax journals, which cover a variety of topics of interest to attorneys, accountants, and other tax professionals. We really appreciate you being here and hope you enjoy today's discussion. Welcome to Bloomberg Tax's Talking Tax. I am here with Lisa Zorlanga of Steptoe to discuss the tax issues concerning cryptocurrency, such as what to do about filing, some hot topics like ICOs and airdrops, and the impact of tax reform on cryptocurrency. My name is Andrea Ben-Yosef, and Lisa Zarlenga is the co-chair of Steptoe's tax group and a member of the firm's government affairs and public policy group. Lisa previously served as tax legislative counsel at the U.S. Treasury Department's Office of Tax Policy, where she advised Treasury's Assistant Secretary for Tax Policy on a broad range of domestic tax policy issues. She has combined her policy and transactional backgrounds to advise clients on tax issues relating to blockchain and digital currency. She advises clients on conducting digital currency transactions and conversions, token offerings, and different investment and entity structures. So Lisa, hello. Hello. So, the first question is, what do cryptocurrency investors need to know as they file their tax returns? I think the first thing that they need to be aware of is that transactions in cryptocurrency can give rise to gain or loss. In 2014, the IRS issued notice 2014-21, which generally provides that convertible virtual currency is treated as property for tax purposes and not treated as as foreign currency. The notice defines convertible virtual currency as a digital representation of value that has an equivalent value in real currency or that acts as a substitute for real currency. So essentially if you can um, convert the virtual currency into fiat currency, it will likely be treated as property under the notice. And the notice cites Bitcoin as an example of convertible virtual currency. Now, the notice uses the term virtual currency, but that's not a term that's that's used widely throughout the industry. Um, people tend to refer to these currencies as cryptocurrencies or digital currencies, and you'll kind of you might hear me refer to that uh, interchangeably sometimes. Now, the notice states that general tax principles that apply to property transactions will also apply to virtual currency. What does that mean? Well, it basically means that investors that use their cryptocurrency to purchase coffee or to purchase a comforter, say, on on overstock.com are recognizing gain or loss every time they spend their cryptocurrency. In fact, it's more like spending gold than it is like spending cash. It also means that if you are a cryptocurrency miner, the fair market value of any currency received for your mining activities is going to be included in income. And if you're in the trade or business of mining, you could be subject to self-employment tax. Also, if you receive cryptocurrency as compensation, either as an employee or an independent contractor, you have to include the fair market value of the cryptocurrency and income. In most cases, with the exception of compensation, you're unlikely to receive an information return, 1099 or something similar, telling you what to report. So that's why taxpayers need to be aware and try to gather the right books and records to be able to report their tax liabilities correctly. And one of the trickiest things about reporting gain or loss 
will be determining the fair market value of the cryptocurrency. This is because the fair market value is highly volatile and it actually varies between different exchanges. The notice does provide some flexibility in this regard. It says that the fair market value can be determined by converting the virtual currency into US dollars at an exchange rate in a reasonable manner that is consistently applied. Another thing that taxpayers should be aware of during this filing season is that it's possible you may need to report foreign cryptocurrency holdings under FBAR or FATCA. Um, these are actually two separate reporting requirements. The first is FBAR, if you have an interest in or even signature authority over, a foreign, over foreign financial accounts that total $10,000 or more, you have to file a report of foreign bank and financial accounts, which is Form 114, with the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, FinCEN. The second requirement is under the Foreign Account Tax Compliance Act, or FATCA. Certain taxpayers that have an interest in specified foreign financial assets that exceed thresholds have to report that amount on Form 8938, which is filed with the IRS with their annual tax return. Now, Treasury, IRS, and FinCEN have not provided any guidance on whether cryptocurrency accounts are subject to these reporting requirements, although there have been some informal statements that FBAR reporting is not expected. Um, nonetheless, because there's no penalty for over-reporting your foreign accounts, some practitioners are recommending that taxpayers file these forms if your cryptocurrency is held uh, by a foreign wallet provider. And then another thing that you should be aware of when you file your tax returns this year is how you report hard forks that occurred in 2017. The most significant hard fork was Bitcoin to Bitcoin Cash, but there were actually several hard forks during 2017. Um, a fork is basically a divergence in the blockchain. You have different versions of the software, which may or may not be compatible with the prior version. If the fork is compatible with the older version, it's considered a soft fork, and that's just similar to a software upgrade. If the new version of the software is no longer compatible with the older versions, it's considered a hard fork. And this basically means that the original blockchain has effectively split into two. Um, they share a common initial segment though. And what that basically does, the, the distributed network of computers that's used to validate transactions on the single original blockchain separates into two groups. So you have some computers that are validating transactions on the original chain and some that are validating transactions on the forked chain. But the end result of the hard fork is that you can spend Bitcoin on one chain and Bitcoin cash on the other chain. Um, so how is a hard fork treated for tax purposes? The IRS has not answered the question, but there are a number of potential analogies. And of course, those analogies carry with them different tax consequences. In determining which analogy should apply, the basic question is whether you receive something new or your existing property divided into two. If you take the position that you receive something new, then the value of the fork currency would be taxed when you receive or exercise dominion and control over it. The Supreme Court um, years ago in Glenshaw Glass treated accessions to wealth as taxable income. And arguably the fact that on day one, you could spend one Bitcoin and on day two, you could spend one Bitcoin and one Bitcoin cash suggests that maybe you had an accession to wealth. Um, 
there are a number of analogies here on the taxable side. They include just a dividend of property, property that you found or treasure trove, receiving free samples or receiving prizes and awards. All of those are, are taxable types of transactions. Now, if you take the position that your existing property basically split into two, then it wouldn't be a taxable event. Instead, it would result in a splitting of your original basis into separate basis with the original asset and the forked asset. And analogies here include a stock split or a pregnant cow giving birth to a calf. Uh, there actually is guidance on that. Mining natural resources, growing timber, harvesting fruit trees, all these different analogies I've heard um, you know, discussed in the context of these hard forks. Now the conservative approach is probably to treat the hard fork as taxable upfront, but I think there are reasonable arguments on both sides. If you do decide to include it in income, the timing and valuation could be tricky. Depending upon the method of your Bitcoin storage, some holders weren't immediately able to access the forked currency. Um, for example, Coinbase didn't initially pr permit customers to withdraw the Bitcoin cash that they received. That raises timing issues as to the, when you recognize the income. And of course, the value can fluctuate pretty widely in the interim. I think those are probably the main things that people should be keeping in mind as they file the 2017 taxes. Sorry for the long-winded answer. Oh no, that was perfect. That's a lot for people to consider, especially since all of this is so new. I think a lot of people still have a lot of questions which will be resolved over the coming filing season. So now let's talk about a couple of the hot topics we've been hearing about. For example, ICOs. What exactly are those and how are they taxed? Token offerings are often referred to as initial coin offerings, or ICOs. Um, they sort of derive their term from initial public offerings, or IPOs, somewhat unfortunately, because I don't think um, some issuers take the position that they're not actually securities offerings. Um, these are a way for startup companies to raise capital. They raise the capital either in fiat currency or quite often in other cryptocurrencies. They'll use, um, they'll raise money using uh, Bitcoin or Ether, for example. ICOs have experienced an exponential rise since the first one occurred in 2013. In fact, the pace of fundraising through token offerings has surpassed that of even traditional venture capital financing. An ICO investor could hold the token for investment. They could use it on the entity's platform or oftentimes you can exchange the token for other cryptocurrencies or even fiat currency if it's traded on one of the more exchanges. The thing about ICOs that's been getting a lot of press lately is whether the tokens are securities for securities law purposes. The SEC chairman has said that he thinks most tokens probably are securities, but the securities law characterization doesn't govern for tax purposes. For tax purposes, there are basically three different buckets that the tokens can fit into. And which bucket depends on the rights that are granted to holders. There are equity tokens, which are similar to shares of stock. They typically convey voting rights and rights to share in the income or dividend distributions. There are also debt, debt tokens, although those are far less common, but they effectively represent loans to the network and the holders earn interest. But the most common ones are utility tokens, which represent a form of digital currency that is used to access the goods or services that are being provided by the network or to trade with other users of the network. A user can earn tokens, for example, by providing value to the network in addition to, to buying tokens. 
the utility token could be treated as a prepaid good or service, or it could be just treated as property of its convertible virtual currency as defined in notice 2014-21. Okay, so, so each token is attached to a particular company or venture? Yeah, the issuer is forming a network um, or a platform on which you know different things are available like some some have been introduced for people sharing extra computer or cloud storage for example um, some permit you to you know buy and sell your own data like some will collect data from you and allow you to sell that data to interested parties on the network um, so there's a lot of different things that the tokens can represent but the 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 thing that they mostly have in common is that the users can interact with the platform itself or with other users. It looks it looks like a lot like a barter exchange in many cases. Um, although interestingly, it's it's not clear whether barter exchange reporting is required. Uh, the IRS has not provided guidance in that in that regard. But that's that's what these um, platforms tend to look like. Okay, thank you. Again, it's also new that. Every term that's being used is being used in new ways that I think is interesting to learn about yeah. from all different sides. It's really actually funny because the, the regulations that govern the reporting for barter exchanges are fairly old, and they refer to scripts being issued by the barter exchange and that you use the script to carry on transactions. And then if you look at the definition of script, it's defined as a token. And so you kind of come full circle in the old versus the new. Wow, yeah, it's just sometimes it's hard to keep up, but fascinating. So the other issue we discussed were airdrops. That's also something new to me. What are those and how are those taxed? So airdrops basically involve giving tokens to someone. Um, so the, the issuer of the tokens, instead of selling them and getting money or fiat currency or cryptocurrency in exchange for it, they just give the tokens to people. Um, oftentimes the participants have to do something to get those tokens. They have to go to the website and sign up for them, or they have to help market the token to receive the, the airdrop tokens. For example, they have to tweet about it or you know, talk about it on social media to kind of increase the hype around the token and get people to want to buy it. Um, to me, a stronger case can be made for taxing the tokens received in an airdrop than in the fork. Um, because you're actually receiving something new that you didn't hold before. You're not, it's not derived from an existing asset. So, and it's also hard to argue, I think, that it's a gift if you're receiving it from an unrelated business that's giving these tokens kind of to help market. Um, if the value of the airdrop tokens is greater than $600, then you may receive a 1099 miscellaneous reporting the value of those tokens to you and the IRS. So they're giving out these tokens through airdrops to celebrities or to people who they know are influencers or who are they giving them to? It, it, that's exactly right. They're giving them to people who they think will influence the market for them or, or um, expand the hype around it. So people that are, um, you know, sort of big in the in big names in the industry or um, people that have strong social media presences, you know, that they can um, try to increase the, the market for the tokens. Okay, thank you. So the last question, and this is the question that everyone always wants to know about tax reform is, has 
the recent tax reform had an impact on any of these cryptocurrency tax issues? I think for the most part, um, not really. Um, I think the big thing is the gain or loss recognized from cryptocurrency and a lot of these are held as capital assets by people and the capital gains and loss provisions weren't really changed by, by tax reform. The one area where it did have probably a big impact is um, Section 1031 like-kind exchanges. Um, they're no longer available as an argument to defer taxes on a cryptocurrency for cryptocurrency exchange. A lot of investors are, are surprised to find out that not only will they recognize gain when they convert a cryptocurrency into cash, but that they could also recognize gain if they convert cryptocurrency into another cryptocurrency, um, even though you know, it doesn't give rise to, to cash. And the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that was enacted last year repealed Section 1031 for all property except for real estate. So now all of those exchanges will be taxable. Prior to tax reform, they could actually make the argument that possibly they qualified as like-kind exchange property. So did that mean that, ex that transactions in 2017 were still under the old rule, but starting in 2018, the like-kind exchange rule no longer applies? That's correct. So for 2017, um, what you ba a, a lot of I mean, there's actually arguments on both sides. A lot of people have been taking the position that like-kind exchange treatment isn't available for cryptocurrency. Um, but some people, I think, are analyzing each exchange separately to determine whether they're in fact like-kind. Um, the IRS has historically taken a, a fairly, fairly narrow view of what is like-kind. For example, there are some old rulings on um, gold and silver um, bullion coins. Um, the IRS con concluded that gold and silver bullion coins were not of like kind, but two gold bullion coins from different countries were. Um, there are also some rules regarding the like kind exchange of intangible assets. The regulations say that a copyright is on, on one novel is similar to a copyright on another novel, but not to a copyright on a song. So you have to look at the nature of what the intangible asset is. In addition, the IRS has ruled before that the exchange of FCC radio licenses for FCC television licenses are like kind. And so it really is kind of an analysis of each cryptocurrency to determine whether, you know, what the nature and character of those cryptos are. Um, for example, are they traded on the same blockchain? Do they have similar um, characteristics? You know, one might say that Bitcoin for Ether probably isn't like kind. They're two, two, two different blockchains, you know, pretty different cryptocurrencies. But you might have two cryptocurrencies that split from one another that share fairly similar characteristics. It's not clear where the IRS would come out on this. Um, I would be surprised if we saw guidance on this issue just because going forward it's not going to be an issue. Um, so the conservative approach would be to you know, recognize the gain or loss up front, but there might be an argument to make for 2017 at least. Okay, great. So any other issues before we wrap this up? This has all been fascinating and hopefully very educational to our listeners. I, I can't think of anything. This right. has been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. 
Thank you for joining us today. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloomberg Tax and subscribe to Talking Tax on iTunes or SoundCloud. Tune in next time for more discussions on today's hot tax issues with leading practitioners.